Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars. And today I'm super excited to have Rachel Yoder, author of the debut novel, Night Bitch. I've been waiting to have her on for months since I saw the cover before I even knew what this book about. And now that I've read it, I'm even more excited. Rachel, tell me what is Night Bitch about? Night Bitch is about an ambitious artist turned reluctant stay-at-home mom who becomes convinced that she is turning into a dog. Oh my God, that is such a beautiful summary and something right that you would never think you'd hear. And yet that's exactly what it's about. Um, so I have to say that this, there's sort of this underlying question for me that um, your author, your, the mother um, actually asks in this letter that she's writing in the book. And she says, what should a woman fight for? And I felt like that was sort of the heart of the book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it became really apparent in my own early motherhood that I had lost myself and lost touch with my dreams. And so this book is really about um, the importance of retaining your sense of self and retaining a relationship with the thing that makes you you in parenthood and how important that is to making you um, a whole present parent for your child. Yeah, it's also um, hugely centered on feminist questions. And um, I have to say that we are recording this while the Olympics are going on and Simone Biles, right, um, is taking a step back for her mental health and Naomi Osaka. And, um, you know, I love this idea that the power of um, feminism is being able to say yes and no. And I one, yeah, you're, you're nodding already. I love it. <laughs> oh, go, tell me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have been saying that I think underachieving and self-care are um, radical acts of feminism. Uh, and I continue to believe that, right? That like saying no, taking care of ourselves, not buying into um, the perfect womanhood myth is a radical act of feminism. I love it. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And, <laughs> and as I was reading the mother, she doesn't have a name in the book. Um, so mother, you know, could she say no? Could the mother say no? I think the mother had a really hard time saying no, and she needed to get in touch with that sort of feral, fierce part of herself to wake her up out of her silence and get her in touch with her, with her nose. Yeah. I mean, I guess I keep coming back to that because um, the book starts off by introducing, I think, a very common conversation that couples have uh, once a baby is born, um, the child comes in and the expenses of childcare, right, and the weight of childcare comes due and the couple sits down and says, well, who earns more? And often the one who earns more is the one who continues to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that always the right decision? And that's such a difficult conversation. And can you say no to what some people say is the obvious answer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, at the, at the center of this book is sort of an, the unresolvable problem of modern parenthood, you know, like how to negotiate, um, to, how to negotiate um, taking care of a child and working and having both um, parents, you know, have full lives while at the same time be, be parents. Um, and so I, I wanted to take on that unresolvable question and see if I could get some clarity on it in this book. Yeah. So have people been flocking to that question and really pulling that out in your interviews? 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, people are asking about that and, and asking about, you know, how, how magic or how the sort of impossible comes into the equation and in, in answering that question. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily answered, but I think it's something that's um, explored in the book. Yeah, I mean, this and like so many other aspects of motherhood um, are, you know, really things that I think you could overhear between two women talking about, right, new mothers. Yeah. Um, and so you pulled that out and it's so it's universal and yet it's particular to the book. You just did that mm -hmm. beautifully. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that what I really wanted to pull out was how do you negotiate those questions, not only with your partner, but first with yourself, right? Like how do you work through all of these sort of insurmountable problems with yourself and how do you come back to yourself so that, so that you can really, you know, be an advocate for yourself within the marriage and within parenthood. And I also loved that the mother recognized that this was also a question or a situation of privilege that she's experiencing, right? Because she's sort of a generic middle-class, generic town, you know, anywhere USA type of a situation. Yeah. How did you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, that was something that I kind of felt too, like, how can I write a book that is complaining about staying home with a child um, when I myself, you know, like, feel very privileged that I get to be home with him. Um, and so I, I did want to kind of call that out and say, I, I see this and I understand this for what it is. And at the same time, it's still really hard. And can we still talk about this? Yeah. 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 Right. Cause I think it is a very important conversation to be having. Um, you know, I've heard stories on NPR at least a dozen times where people are interviewed women dropping out of the workforce right now during COVID because they are earning less than their husbands. Right. And so who's the one who stops working? Yeah. And I've already heard from so many women who are like, this is my story. Thank you for writing this. I feel very seen. And I think it, that is the most gratifying part, you know, to, to give voice to the story that so many women have gone through so that hopefully we can begin sort of talking about it more culturally. Yeah. So one of the places that the mother goes to look for answers is the library. And she takes this book out um, that's written by a philosopher, it turns out, right? Wanda White. Mm -hmm. um, who is Wanda? <laughs> you. who is she no one knows I mean she's so mysterious she's yeah she's sort of like a philosopher anthropologist um you know Wanda is now that I've been kind of talking about the book more I see that Wanda is the crone right she's the she's that old female voice of wisdom and that was really a voice that I craved in my early motherhood and I wish that I had a Wanda around. And so I'm glad that she found her way to me um, through the book. I loved it. Um, in particular, I loved it because I think that one of the things that's hard to understand until you live it is that being a brand new mother can be very lonely. From the outside, it looks like, well, there's a mother and a child, they're not alone, right? And yet it is lonely because who are you going to talk to, <laughs> right? And who do you choose to bring in as your friend? And I felt like the mother brought Wanda in to help oh. her stop being lonely, you know? Yes, that's a beautiful way of thinking about it. And, and to the fact that the mother starts writing letters to Wanda, which, you know, never, never really reach Wanda. She's just sort of emailing them into the ether. 
but to feel that she's in conversation with this person and that, you know, that's also the, the role that books have played for me as a reader and writer, you know, that I, I find a book and, and in that book, I sort of find community with, with the, with the author and the voices in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I loved her. I think that Wanda was one of my favorite parts of the book, actually. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we kind of skipped over the fact that this whole book is centered on the idea that the mother turns into a dog, right? She's yeah. Just a minor point. Yeah. Right, minor plot point. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, where did that idea come from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had the title of the book first. That's what I began with. And it seemed like a really fun idea. And also, a bad idea. Um, it was sort of a challenge, you know, like I should not write a book where the, where the mom turns into a dog. That's a horrible idea. And so I was like, let's try, let's see if I can make it work. So it was sort of this fun, um, this fun artistic challenge. And I thought it could be funny and also bring out some of, you know, the angrier elements that I wanted to explore. But also the thing was you could come up with actual explanations. Like she experiences a tail growing. Meanwhile, her husband's like, oh, it's just a cyst, right? How could you <laughs> open that on your own? Like, how did you balance that between making it dreamlike versus real? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted, I love a story where it's ambiguous. I love a story with an unreliable character where you're not quite sure what's going on. And so I really wanted to maintain that question and that tension throughout the book. Um, yeah, so I just played with that throughout. I love it, I love it. All right, so switching gears a little bit to the actual writing process of this book. Um, I mean, there were some pretty complicated scenes and ideas coming through, all right? And, and you're writing Wanda's book also in a sense, or at least parts of it as you're going. What was the hardest part to write? Um, I think actually the hardest part um, was there's this, this backstory right in the middle of the book, this chunk of backstory, which I did think had a place in the book, but it was so removed from everything else. Um, I, I almost wound up taking the whole thing out. And so that was probably the thing I sort of struggled with the most, like, does this go here? And how can I make it feel like it's really relevant to what's going on? I'm glad you left it in there. I thought it was great. <laughs> um, but there's also some, a lot of darkness, right? I mean, the mother goes through really hard times like depression, right? Loneliness that we've touched on a little bit earlier. So how did you get your head into that space to write those parts? Yeah, I mean, well, I wrote this book after two years of not writing after my son was born. Um, and that's the first time in my adult life that I haven't written. And so I had two years worth of musings and rantings and um, feelings to sort of put on the page. And so I just really drew from that silence and taking that silence and bringing it into language and putting it on the page. Wow. And then how do you come out of that? Like I imagine you're sitting in this room writing, right? You're digging into those memories, those rantings, mm. and then you have to come out and you face your family. Like, how, how do you do that? I mean, how do you do that? I don't, I mean, even like going back and editing it and even going back and promoting it, I'm mm -hmm. like, this is hard. I, I don't want to go back into those feelings. Um, but I think, you know, like I've worked through it. I've done a lot of work with a therapist, um, as well as writing in the book. And it's really been a pro like a sort of whole life process of like working through it, not just via writing. So yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's yeah. great for other writers and women to hear that. 
Um, and so what was the hardest part about getting this book published? You know, I think the hardest part was that I was getting it published and editing it during COVID. And I felt really alone, um, even though I had an amazing editor, an amazing agent. It was something that um, I, I couldn't go to the coffee shop and see my friends and do my work there. And I just wasn't in touch with people in the same way. Um, so again, it felt, it kind of felt like I was back to early motherhood, like in the house alone with my son, like trying to write. And that, wow. and that was a challenge. And I know a lot of other people had a very similar challenge this year. Yeah. Wow. Um, and have you gotten a lot of pushback on the title, Night Bitch? <laughs> I mean, I think you either get it or you don't. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, one editor didn't get it and they wanted to change the title and another, my editor did get it. And she's like, it has to be called this. And so, um, yeah, I haven't gotten too much pushback. Uh, you know, NPR bleeped out uh, <laughs> the bitch part of it. Um, but I think, yeah, if people get it, they get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. And I, okay. you know, like as someone who has been up at night with my kids screaming, <laughs> right? I get it. I totally yeah. get it. So what kind of advice do you have for new writers? Yeah, well, my advice for new writers is not only to read as widely as you can, but also to look at art and watch film and just really go deep in terms of creating your own um, aesthetic philosophy, um, figuring out what really excites you about art so that you can then sort of, you know, design for yourself the sort of art that you want to make. I love that. Um, so one other question I wanted to ask you is, I imagine there are all kinds of conversations coming up around this book, but is there anything that you haven't gotten to talk about that you want to talk about, you know, that hasn't <laughs> come up or has surprised you that it hasn't come up? Oh, man. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I've talked so much about it already and people have been so insightful and I'm just so grateful for the way people are reading it and engaging with it. Same goes for you. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I have to say um, before we sign off, if, I don't know if you read Helen Phillips, The Need. but Oh, this, I certainly did. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I felt like the two of you are just First of all, brilliant and amazing writers, and those books like should be read together and discussed together. Absolutely, I mean, oh. thank you. That's such a compliment. I love Helen's work, and yeah, when I read that book, I got so excited. It's amazing. Yeah, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. I love the book. May you sell many, many copies. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.